You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, it's the Edney Artage Podcast. Right here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. I'm Mark Lane. Follow me on Twitter at TheRealMarkLane. As always, joined by Sean Martin, you can follow him on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL. Sean, it's the first week of training camp in the books, so now we're really in it. Yeah, I have had to take my spot as the second most important Martin to only be in Oxnard in spirit and physically in Texas, but my heart and head are in Oxnard, just much like Cowboys Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer right guard Zach Martin, who we'll talk about still being a holdout from Oxnard, but Joey's comments, very interesting there, and We'll get to all that, but, you know, knock me down the wrong as far as Martins, who wish they were in Oxnard or in Oxnard in spirit. Could have been just me, but, you know, I think Zach Martin has that spotlight right now. Yes, and we'll definitely be getting into just the whole Zach Martin contract situation coming up. But, you know, it's uh, it's training camp. You have nothing but Twitter videos and highlights. And everybody's doing a good job with, you know, funneling the information. I don't know about funneling. It's more like scatter shooting it. But um, they're nevertheless. Yeah, funnel takes on a different context. Let's not go to. They're doing a good job getting it out there and, you know, what season it is. It's pet cat season. Absolutely. And, you know, it's been really interesting to see kind of a transition phase and the position group that Cowboys fans usually claim. I mean, you used to be able to set your watch to a, a down the roster running back just being, you know, attached and endeared to the fans. You could set your clock to it to know that that's the start of football season. Once Cowboys fans have found a running back, they're convinced it's going to make the team and be the next best thing. That's when football season began, usually around this time of training camp and heading into the preseason. But I don't know if it's just the, you know, butterfly effect from, the fact that there haven't been enough snaps in the backfield for another running back to do a whole lot behind Ezekiel Elliott. And now, you know, that void has opened up, but it's kind of too little too late as far as knowing that one running back was going to get the bulk of the snaps. Last year was kind of the first time in a while they were more willing to do any kind of platoon with Tony Pollard who now takes over that full starting role. So I don't know if it's just, just the effect of these pet cat running backs not really getting a fair shake behind Elliott and Pollard because, you know, how can you when you have that two, that one-two punch in the backfield? But where they have had a need for players to step up is wide receiver, and that hasn't stopped the shortage of, you know, fans falling now for these down-the-roster receivers. I'm most excited about seeing Kevante Turpin running routes out there. That's been my kind of biggest, uh, you know, throaty training camp video to the timeline and celebrate type of thing seeing Turpin run some of these out routes and being that check down option that we think he can be as a dynamic receiver and not just a returner. But guys like Jalen Moreno-Copper have stepped up and made plays. Brandon Cooks is already looking good. And 
you know, it sort of seems like the receiver position is the spot to look at when it comes to where some of these some of these guys have intrigue on who's going to make the roster. And I know we did a segment last week on the position groups you should watch. If you want to see a real sign of progress in Mike McCarvey's offense, you chose tight end, I chose receiver, and it seems like a lot of fans are on board with receiver being the, the position group to watch and give you some real interest in who's going to make the team. Most notably right now, Jalen Moreno-Cropper, UDFA out of Fresno State. And yeah, that's what you're talking about is it, it's shifted to the receivers. You mentioned Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, but I wonder if it's kind of like um, how how parents, let's say, especially among us millennials, where they look back at how they were raised and decide, oh, it's not going to be that way, but they don't realize that they still carry some of the same behaviors. So you are your parents at the end of it. And what I mean by that is I think fans have been Jerry um, for at least since Emmett Smith left. And what I mean by that is they've always looked to running back to get the job done, even if they've disagreed with it, even if they've not liked it, even if they parroted their favorite person using scouting abbreviations for an online website. It didn't matter. They still, at the end of it, were mimicking Jerry in the way they looked at running back. They saw it as a position of value, and that all changed when Ezekiel Elliott got cut. Yeah, I just found this comical, though. You know, if you're going to have a wide receiver that Cowboys fans are endeared to and takes that pet cat status, why not have one that's still a running back at heart so we can keep this tradition going a little bit? Because looking at some of Moreno Cropper's college stats, and his freshman year, he actually ran for more yards than he received for and ran for three touchdowns as well, 343 yards, three touchdowns as a freshman there at Fresno. So, Running back at heart, and that's why Cowboys fans might be falling for him after. Yeah, yeah, that could be it. Is because he's a running back. Um, who are some <laughs> running back in disguise? Well, who are some other guys that would make for great pet cat candidates at receiver? On this current roster, um, I mean, it's hard to like find guys who truly fit that mold. You know, like I said, Turpin is kind of like getting there, but I don't know if he kind of checks all the boxes of if you you know, can give him that pet cat tag or not as far as he's a guy who's already been here and he's somewhat established, but I'll go ahead and claim Turpin anyway. You know, there's no rules when it comes to pet cats. So, yeah, I'll take Turpin just because, you know, we're seeing good things from him already. It's been so long since the Cowboys actually consistently hold up, you know, what they talk about in the off season. There's always so much hype and buzz about, oh, we're going to do this and that personnel-wise and we're going to bring out the best in this player and that player and then, like, 1% of it actually happens. And so, Right now, to add a better batting average than usual when it comes to doing most of the things that we think can be a consistent element to this offense. And we're already hearing some things that we talked about way back being confirmed on the offensive side of things when it comes to like Brian Sottheimer talking about the pass protection and how Prescott getting the ball out of his hands is going to help that. That's something I've been all over and wrote about for our site at Bargain the Boys. So things like that, to get the ball to these receivers quickly, I can't think of a better player to fit 
you know, that role and can make plays in that exact type of scenario. Then Kevontae Turpin on this little out routes that we've been seeing him run. And that's connection that's there all season long, and it's going to be really exciting to see what that means for the vertical game, Brandon Cooks and CDLM. A lot of things can fall into place if Turpin is actually a legitimate receiver in the mix. Because getting in on the offensive side of the ball was something that they wanted to do with Turpin last year, but it just never exactly materialized. I mean, he lined up a couple of times, but it just never, they never really found a great way to do it in the context of a game. And a lot of his reps have been coming against Kelvin Joseph on the inside, so that tells you a little bit you know, about on the defensive side of the ball, not only where they see Joseph potentially getting snaps, but kind of the path that he has to you know, put some better practices together. And once the pads come on, we'll really see if that out of physicality can help Joseph. It certainly should, given the style of play. And that's something that you know the defense as a whole, plus the offensive line, can look forward to. We talked last week about just how much this offensive line probably can't wait to hit with the way OTAs have just, you know, banned any at all contact whatsoever, it seems. So first pad of practices today, and there's many things to look for. But right now for the secondary, you know, they're just trying to hold on, get any piece of these receivers they can. That's a little bit of why the receivers have looked as good as they have. But Turpin especially really routing these DBs up and making some eye-opening plays. Indeed. And that's why when you look at where the Cowboys are in camp and with what's transpired, you know, you just kind of have to ask yourself if safety is going to be the problem position that never gets fixed this season. What do I mean by that? Sometimes you just have positions that just are a problem in camp and they just never uh, fix themselves in terms of what you have on the team, what you get that's on the street. It just never fixes itself. Uh, Go back to 2020. It was tackle. That was just such a problem position. Go back to 2008. Um, it was guard. That was just kind of a problem position for the Cowboys. And like I said, I mean, it's just something that maybe doesn't even reflect team building throughout the spring. It's just what happens in camp. And it's just a problem that just never gets rectified throughout the course of the season. So do you think with Donovan Wilson, Israel, McQuamu, with their, what McCarthy called, multiple weeks injuries, do you think that safety is going to be that problem position? Yeah, I'm at a mild level of concern over the safety group right now. I'd call it a, you know, a six because, you know, last week we talked about, you know, championship expectations and the off-season programs and how that all builds into the progress they've made under Mike McCarthy. And for me, I can't remember a season. And, you know, this is a, a good thing. It's also a nerve-wracking one for those in our chairs that do what we do. But I can't remember a season where everything the Cowboys do this early on, you know, we're in week one of camp, going into week two. This early on, everything is being viewed through, you know, a championship type of lens. Usually it took, you know, at minimum a couple of weeks into the regular season to get on the hype train, see them, you know, beat a couple other contenders. I think about that Seahawks game in 2014 or little things like that along the way to slowly start that conversation of, okay, maybe this is the team that's going to 
you know, break the, break the streak, at least get to the championship game. We need to start holding them to that standard and everything they do this year is about that because they're showing that it's capable and, of course, hasn't quite worked out that way. But this is by far the earliest I can remember, you know, viewing everything through that lens. So, yeah, of course, when you're looking at things with that pressure cooker of an expectation, it's not ideal to have any kind of injury at a position where you don't have too much established depth. But, you know, every team is going to go through this. It's still a defense that more than expects that they have the pieces, especially if Dan Quinn calling the shots to put it all, put it all together. So that's why I'm really only at a mild level of concern because really the only thing that's hindered right now with, you know, both Wilson and McQuamu looking at several weak injuries, but being back for meaningful games sometime early in the year, it seems, is, you know, the defense that you can practice against for McCarthy's new offense and all these things. You know, you want to be able to practice the looks that you're going to be able to run and not you know, have the whole defense jeopardized by, oh, it was hard to, you know, get a read on Kelvin Joseph today because he didn't have any safety help because, you know, Tyler Coyle was out of position three times or something like that. So you want to be able to practice how you're going to line up, practice how you perform as a cliche, but it's a true thing. And, you know, that ability has been taken away a bit. So I bet Quinn is looking forward to, you know, coming up with some different looks for these safeties and the challenge of that so that they can even incorporate that. Once they do have Wilson and McClamour, who are both, you know, rising players who have had the injury bug come up before, but these are significant injuries. You know, the, the strained calf for Wilson is the same injury we heard about from Joe Burrow, and the Bengals will likely be way more cautious with their franchise quarterback than the Cowboys might have to be with, you know, a safety who's played through injury before, but still several weeks on both of those. Malik Hooker was asked about Wilson's impact to the defense. He said he's the heart piece of our defense, certainly a big statement there, and they still have another heartbeat-type player in Zaron Coast, I would say, who's going to be out there at safety. But Hooker said he's one of those guys that gets everybody going. He's a, he's a guy we don't want to go into Sunday without. So two sides of the coin. They have the depth to step up. They have guys who are intriguing enough to see out there at practice and what they're going to mean before you can think about getting both Wilson and McQuamu back. I'm talking about not only Coast and Hooker, but Marquis Bell, Tyler Coyle. I'm surprised I haven't seen more of Demarion Overson's name kind of thrown in that mix at safety. He played back there at times here at Texas. He has the build for it. He's that perfect hybrid type, you know, play in the box, but he's kind of a safety type of player. So could be an opportunity for him. He's already kind of found a role as a third round pick. Usually Dallas isn't all, all too familiar with, you know, needing a third round pick to immediately step up. But as soon as we saw that person is going to be playing a lot more pass rush type of snaps, the role for Overson was kind of clear that he could go do something in, in that front seven. And now I think that's amplified with these injuries as well. So there's definitely some hope and some intrigue to see how Quinn is going to line up this defense. But I just look forward, as we all do, to the days where he's going to be able to line it up with both both Wilson and McQuamu out there because they're both such important players that create matchups and can do so many different things that the Cowboys are going to need if safety isn't going to be a problem spot. Well, with Overshawn, I think some of it, is they want to make sure he's good at one thing before loading him up with versatility. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's just a matter of what his linebacker role is going to look like, and is it any different than what almost Donovan Wilson's safety role looks like? You know, when you think of a potential Achilles heel for this defense in Dan Quinn's scheme, it's been, you know, the run at times, and they certainly invested in trying to fix that this year and in the big play. And so if you feel like you have the run fixed, it just puts all that pressure back on, well, can you not give up big plays? And safety is the one spot you look to when 
you talk about trying to limit big plays and just confusing back there with guys who haven't played a lot of snaps together at the start of the year, then, you know, it could hurt them. And you don't want that to be your Achilles heel. Throughout the season, we're opposing offensive coordinators. They're like, yeah, we're kind of scared of the front seven. We're overall worried about going against them. But, hey, if we pass protect for five or six plays, we can get the ball downfield against these guys. And you know, that's all it takes to make or break your game sometimes. So you don't want that to be the weak point in your defense. And why the Cowboys steal off these injuries, it certainly could be. But once they're back to full strength at safety, then it be, you know goes from a weakness to a, to a strength on the, on the back end. Do you think that... Um, Mark Marquise Bell can be a solution. I mean, I know he's an undrafted free agent from last year, and you know, but do you think that he could provide a, a solution at safety? At least in practice, because he's definitely part of the answer. I mean, the, the good news for this Cowboys offense going up against the defense and trying to have that iron sharpens iron type of scenario where. This defense, as Prescott has said, should be you know one of the best that they see all year. And if you can practice against that before him, then going into a game against any other defense gets easier. So that's the hope. But you don't want it to fall apart at safety where you know the throws are just getting too easy and it's one-sided in practice. So at least in those types of looks, I think Bell can make plays and surprise some of these Cowboys offensive players of his speed, his range, his athleticism. Of course, he's already a guy that you know the team and Quinn have made some commitment to. UDFA that sticks around for year two isn't all that common. So he's here. There's a plan for him. Of course, the plan all along, you know, was going to take an injury or two to really get him on the field just because of how much depth was stacked against him. And quickly in a week, they've lost some of that depth, of course. So yeah, Bell could be a real contributor. He can be that box player, which is important. Although you still have Jalen Coase and he's also in that role. So you've kind of lost more of the deep coverage safety. Wilson hybrids between the two and McQuamu plays some corner, but you've lost more coverage ability and you have, you know, enforcer against the run with these injuries. Not not sure how much Bell is going to help you immediately there, but, you know, having another box player to help against the run and come up with some different looks that you can bridge this gap without your two other safeties with is definitely something he's ready to contribute for. And, you know, unfortunately, that may be what they need is young talent to step up, but at what cost, you know, are you What's the cause? What's Jeff Heath doing these days? Yeah. Well, you know, um, evidently probably enjoying the retired life. If I had to guess, he probably went back to Michigan and has like a cottage on the shores of Lake Huron. But um, here's what if you do that with Bell or you go with a younger option, you could risk paying for you know, on-the-job training at the expense of big plays. Yeah, when it comes to this defense, you know, giving up big plays and you want to be able to limit them. And at the cornerback position, too, that's the biggest thing, I think, that it's going to make it harder to evaluate in these practices is, you know, the cornerback play. That's There's so few spots where a lot of starting jobs are up for grabs right now, and offensive line is the one of them that we've already harped on a bit. And, you know, corner is definitely the other where they haven't established what that deficit is going to look like. And we know the top two on the outside are pretty locked in, but you can never have enough cover guys and what are the rest going to look like. So, you know, corner is a spot where if this thing does completely bottom out at safety, that's where the trickle-down effect is felt the most for trying to evaluate these corners. And it's like, well, it looks like he got beat, but really the safety was nowhere, you know, near in the right position. 
things like that. So that makes it hard, but you know, the way Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore are such physical in your face, press man type of corners that can really just go take, you know, take it on the road and don't want to say don't need that safety help, but can exist in single coverage with the confidence level to get it done, you know, around the rest of the defense. Maybe that would be less of an impact than we think, but yeah, overall, you know, the worst case scenario at safety is that these guys can't give you a real chance to, you know, sort out what you have at cornerback, which is such an important position right now as you go through the preseason and figure out what you're going to do lining up at that position against the Giants in week one. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, somebody who didn't want to share the behind the scenes of lining up against the Giants in week one was Dak Prescott, who revealed that Peyton Manning approached him to be on the second season of the Netflix series Quarterback. And I think, you know, it's interesting that um, Peyton asked Dak to be on the second season of that series um, because it just, all right, season one, you got Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, Patrick Mahomes. And so Peyton asked Dak. So what does that mean that he asked Dak? Is Dak getting asked because he's representing a Kirk Cousins or Patrick Mahomes or as NFC East fans will tell you, the Marcus Mariota. Why do you think they asked him? What do you make Look, of it? I think, you know, it's something that some people looked at as an honor for Dak Prescott. You know, certainly it's a personal choice that these quarterbacks made to be on or not. And we have no say in, you know, the totality of what went into each one's decision. Because there were other reports that came out about other quarterbacks who were invited that also denied it. So Prescott, but also... Joe Burrow with the Bengals, Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, Tua Tagovailoa with the Dolphins, Justin Fields with the Bears, and Sam Howell up and coming with the Commanders. But when I think of Peyton's transition to you know the media world, and it's a thing that so many former players are doing, you know Peyton's been more meticulous than others about taking the jobs and finding the roles that you know maintain this image that he had on the field of you know this hardworking, blue collar, cerebral type player. You know, he's really done well to not just jump at the first media gigs and keep everything he does in that image that, you know, people can remember him by. You think about the Manning cast and he's practically, you know, a coach on the screen calling timeouts and waving his hands like he's actually on one of the sidelines and the teams can hear him and things like that. So 
when you look at who he wanted to be on the show, I think he picked quarterbacks that also kind of have that hardworking, you know, behind the scenes, team leader, vocal leader, quarterback type of mindset to him. Certainly Patrick Mahomes, Cousins has been that guy everywhere he's been as well. And even Mariota to give you kind of the journeyman look at, you know, the struggles that go into it and having to be a backup for a couple of years and things like that, but still a hardworking quarterback at that. And that, and that extends into the list of guys I mentioned who turned down the invites as well. So, yeah, I think Prescott fits very nicely in this grouping of, you know, the style of quarterback they're looking for, which is not all too dissimilar to the style of quarterback that Peyton Manning was. Maybe not physically all the way, but, you know, just mentally and image-wise what Peyton Manning was compared to these other quarterbacks. And you have a unique, you know, difference in style and type of play and where these players are at in their career to create some different looks on the show. But, yeah, I think it should be an honor that, you know, Peyton considers Prescott in this group and created that decision for him, which is a personal one for him to ultimately not want to do it. But he has a great story, both on and off the field, and it's one that should be shared and one that Cowboys fans are familiar with and other fans to go take the time to get familiar with before you, uh, you know, pass down your final thoughts on Dak Prescott, like a lot of NFC East fans that you alluded to right there. And the thing with Prescott and be turning down quarterback is you have to consider he was on hard knocks two years ago. So that's still fresh of having basically all of your, not personal spaces, but off the field spaces recorded or scrutinized or am I in a room that's bugged, you know? Yeah, year 30 season, Prescott's birthday, of course, being over the weekend when the Cowboys are out there practicing in Oxnard. So year 30 season, sense of urgency is something we've already covered for how he feels about, you know, the window he has to get the job done here in Dallas and win the, win the ultimate prize and getting his team back in the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying that one of these, you know, Netflix quarterbacks aren't going to be able to do that. So that way Mahomes would be at the top of the list of guys we expect to be able to win every year. And he's featured prominently on the show. But, you know, if he thinks that the show would distract in any way from putting up an MVP type season, then obviously he made the right decision. And I'm sure Peyton respects that as much as he respects, you know, any of the other quarterbacks that turned down the show for any other given reason. I think it would be a big distraction in this aspect where you're getting – Kellen Moore's gone. You're getting Mike McCarthy as a new play caller. Brian Schottenheimer's new offensive coordinator. No Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, there's just a lot of adjusting, I think, that he had to manage in the offseason. So, ultimately, yeah, it's good that he turned it down. But, you know, for the sake of Cowboys content, oh, why did he do it? And quarterbacks have to do media, you know, in every town. Let's, let's not mix that up. But don't we think Prescott does enough? I mean, he's always available. There's always Prescott quotes out there. There's, you know, charity events he's pulling up to. And he'll take the time to talk about not only that, but some football stuff with media that shows up to do that. So, you know, he's always in the media even more than some of these other quarterbacks who are on the show and need that as a platform to continue to elevate what they do. I think we'll be just fine getting enough of Prescott without this Netflix soon. Yeah, I mean, his quotes are always out there. He says about Zach Martin, pay that man, you know? And then uh, yeah. Jerry Jones tells you, now this is interesting, Sean. 
that one of the reasons, well, one of the things they're looking at when it comes to Zach Martin's contract, you know, he's holding out. It's not a camp. He's in the bottom of the top 10 in terms of contracts for guards um, in the NFL, which when you look at his accolades, this guy is obviously top two in the NFL for guards. Um, so, you know, he just wants to get paid what he's worth. And, you know, Jerry basically said that Martin's contract is of low priority because Michael Parsons is ahead of the list. I think that those comments are, are an interesting way for Jerry to discuss the, you know, the proverbial salary cap pie because it used to be, well, we can't because of what we did in the past. Now it's like we can't because of what's coming in the future. Yeah, I find so many sides of this so interesting because, you know, we, we pride ourselves on hitting the order to you about trying to get ahead on stories that you get to hear about. And sometimes we try to get way ahead and we're talking about something that you got to wait weeks to happen. And sometimes it's, you know, just a couple of days or, or one week, like in this case, because we did our Martin coverage last week and I talked about, you know, looking back at this contract that I wasn't all too familiar with at the time yet and seeing, you know, the way that they could have paid him when who else did you have on the roster that was going to need, you know, the same money that they're thinking about giving the Parsons. And I throw Diggs in there, but it seems like by all accounts, he took a very team-friendly deal. So well played to the Cowboys on that one. But, you know, it's not Martin's fault that he had the opportunity to be one of these top paid players and should have been because he wasn't surrounded by as much talent as he is now. And yet the contract is still where it is, why you have a guy like Parsons. Although I will say, you know, you do hope by every stretch that, you know, Martin realizes that this has a chance to be one of the best teams he's been on. I remember the first time I met RJ Ochoa in person was at the draft of 2018. And we were looking around at the Ring of Honor and trying to talk about the future of this Cowboys team that had just taken Van Der Es and Connor Williams and all that. And, you know, where, where's the direction? Where's the future? Is it, is it a championship sometime soon as I'm looking around at these past champions in the Ring of Honor? And, you know, both RJ and I kind of had this talk about current players in the roster that were not looking forward to saying an end to their career without a championship. Not that we could, of course, know, you know, which guys are going to win or not, or when that Lombardi's coming back to Dallas, any of that, of course. But, you know, we, and Martin was one of the most prominent players we talked about in that, along with the other offensive lineman he was playing with at the time. And, you know, maybe Tyron Smith is starting to get to that point too, but you know, Martin was definitely at the forefront of like, he's had this great career, he could be in the Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor, but we're going to look back, and he's just going to be another player that we regret not getting a championship for, which is something Jerry himself has been very open about, you know, when a player has a great career here and, and do, doesn't win ultimately, he's been very open about, you know, how disappointing that's been, and Tony Romo is the biggest example of that, but Martin should fall right into that category, so you would hope somewhere in these negotiations that that all comes up and the Cowboys can use that as leverage to say, you know, yeah, you should have been making more earlier on, but at this point, this, this is your chance to win a championship. This is the best team you have a chance to be on. You should be energized by playing with all this young talent and not take a massive pay cut, but, you know, take something that's fair, but it's not going to hold us back from getting you that chance at a championship that he might need to really solidify his career. So definitely interesting to see 
the comparison to Parsons because we were on this as early as last week when it comes to who else did you have to pay that got in the way of this Martin thing being a current situation, but still way too early to panic, of course, on any idea of him not playing or things like that. It's all just publicly being played out in the media, and I think we all firmly believe that we're going to see Zach Martin continuing to play football at right guard for the Cowboys, just a matter of how it all gets worked out and you know who throws what punts in the media and how that all gets shaken out these next couple of days and weeks. Yeah, I think he will, obviously. I think he's there against the Giants. I don't think anything squirrely's going to happen. But I think he's trying to argue the point, and he may not have the best leverage, but clearly he's looking out for, I think, um, you know, later in his contract, because he doesn't want to be a salary cap casualty. Yeah, I mean, the way this team is drafted off at time, and it's like, you're not immediately going to find the next Zach Martin, but they've owned way more than enough report to think that, you know, if, if they do need any kind of replacement, they could just go to the first round again and take one of these top guards and they'll be ready to step in and have that type of longevity in play. So, yeah, definitely not as secure of a spot as, you know, Martin might think. Again, two sides of that coin where he could also be energized by, you know, the way that they've brought in a Tyler Smith and he's, ex- you know, exceeded and Tyler Biotis right next to him and the way Martin has helped, you know, bring along other offensive linemen here to, to have that type of career in the first place. But, yeah, nobody's untouchable anymore when it comes to the Cowboys. That precedent was set, you know, a couple off-seasons ago with the whole Amari Cooper and Lyle Collins and Randy Gregory situation. So, that's been set, and he's just trying to get paid before, you know, his eventual exit from the team is going to be going into year 10. I think it's a lot closer than we all would hope and realize, but there's still a lot of good football left in Zach Martin, most notably ready to go for this year where he has a real chance at a championship, more so than you could say at any, at any other previous point in Zach Martin's career. So the money needs to make sense for him to come be a part of a potential championship team, but by all accounts, we think that'll get worked out and, It'll make sense for all parties to um, have Zach Martin on the field. Yes, and when that happens, you hope that it's at a point that, you know, there's not some other shoe that's dropped because it's a long training camp, long preseason, Sean. Oh, absolutely. I mean, offensive line-wise, I almost like I, I stopped myself there for a second. I want to say, you know, we don't need to see too much from the offense and they can bubble wrap things and it'll be okay. But, you know, you almost forget they're installing a new offense. Like, we do need to see quite a bit. You know, we're not going to get a turn of run from Prescott in the ones in the preseason, but you do need to see a little bit more than your average preseason where you can really bubble wrap things just because it is a new install. And those live reps against a real defense are so very important. So, yeah, that's uh, not something I've given a lot of thought up until now as far as how they need to manage the preseason and what that looks like from, a, you know, keeping your eye in, especially fresh. But, yeah, all can happen. It's going to happen for them to need death to be called on. And the last thing you need is to have to come up with a contingency plan without Martin, a right guard, who is just a plug-and-play, prototypical, you know, future Hall of Famer. Indeed. All right, let's see what um, Hall of Famers are on the Cowboys' birthdays list this week, Sean. On Monday, Demarcus Ware. Well, there he is. Turns 39 years old. He's with Dallas from 05 to 13 and had to go get his Super Bowl elsewhere, which he did with the Denver Broncos 
and Super Bowl 50 at the end of 2015. On Tuesday, Bobby Carpenter, linebacker, 06-09, turns 40 years old on Monday, so he'll be a grown man. Oh, wait, that's today. Hey, yeah, uh, so he's a grown man today because um, he's 40. Uh, and so... We love you, Mike Gundy. Yeah. Again, a draft bust. And think about it this way. He's entering... <clears throat> Michael Parsons is entering his third year. By 08, Bobby Carpenter, like, they couldn't even find ways for him to get on the field on defense. It was... Uh, by then, you knew he was a bust. And then on Wednesday, Tom Rafferty turned 69 years old. Played with Dallas from 1976 to 1989. Played center. So he snapped to Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. This is going way back in the hidden yardage archives, but we did, I forget the exact theme in the segment, but we did one on, you know, like memorable Cowboys wins and throwback wins we remember. And one of mine was, you know, my top pick was Cowboys against the Saints and whatever year. They were under Saints were undefeated, ended up suffering a loss to the Cowboys at home in the Superdome, but still won the Super Bowl that year. But Demarcus Ware, off injury, really won that game for the Cowboys. Had the game-winning force fumble, which was the second of the game. Had other sacks and, and big plays in the game. So that was my favorite, not only Demarcus Ware moment, but really just the Cowboys moment in general. And turns out we share that as far as moments that he remembers uh, and talking to our very own. R.J. Ochoa about his lead into going to the Hall of Fame. DeMarcus Ware talked about that game and as one he remembers. He said he said he also has a near photographic memory of all the sacks he's had throughout his Cowboys career, which is believable. A lot of players you know, have that uncanny ability to remember plays they make, but the one that stands out the most is right there with one that I remember as well, doing it against Drew Brees and the Saints. That was pretty awesome to see. And, of course, R.J. didn't let him go without – you know, a mention of what he thinks about this year's upcoming Cowboys team. And DeMarcus Ware commented on the leadership that he saw when he went and visited camp with McCarthy and Dan Quinn. He said, usually you go over there and there were so many of them, but now you have a lot of guys that could be leaders. They're pinpointed like a DeMarcus Lawrence, Parsons, and Dak Prescott. You're the guy and we're following you. I feel like that's what was needed it's coming from earlier years on McCarthy's first game. You're seeing them mature into a better team. So the maturation is there. The Enshrinement of Demarcus Ware into the Hall of Fame is here, and you know the way that he uh, has still stayed in the public eye for Cowboys fans is as kind of a positive influence and just a positive, you know, beacon of light in the game of football um, that meant so much to the game for both two teams, the Cowboys and the Broncos. It's definitely pretty cool to see. Yep, and uh, he'll go in the Hall of Fame. He'll, uh, like John Madden says, talk with the other busts at night when they turn the lights out, starting this week. Not at the museum style there. What do you think uh, the Cowboys bust all say to each other? Why didn't I get paid more? <laughs> well, Joey's in there too, so he can they can he can hear him. So, you know, hey, go negotiate with uh, Bond Statue, Joey. Exactly. Well, you've been listening to the Hidden Yardage podcast. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Follow Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL. Myself at the real Mark Lane on X, formerly known as Twitter. And, yeah, that's uh, weird, isn't it? No, not weird at all. No, <laughs> no. So there it is.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.